0: We have a new transitional deacon in the diocese of st petersburg via rome and more deacons are on their way the priests of the diocese gather for the convocation this week and one of our own is recognized for exemplary service these topics and more coming
1: up next welcome to a view from the top with bishop gregory parks bishop of the diocese of st petersburg a view from the top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church our community and our country Now, here's Bishop Parks and the general manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Welcome home, Bishop. Thanks, John. It's great to be back. You had a nice trip, I understand. I had a wonderful trip to Rome. Of course, uh, as mentioned before, the reason for the trip was to be present for the ordination to the diaconate of one of our seminarians, Josh Bertrand. Josh has been studying in Rome. He's now in his fourth year of studies and was ordained a deacon at St. Peter's Basilica on Thursday was a, a very joyful liturgy, and boy, Josh was uh, just very much at peace and, and filled with God's love that day.
0: Now, I noticed there were a handful of other priests from the diocese. I'm assuming that they were sort of classmates with him at one time or friends?
1: Mostly friends or uh, priests that know Josh or have had some influence maybe in his vocation and his discernment. They were there, so there were several of us. Uh, I think our our diocese was well represented in Rome this week. As well as Josh having some family and friends there of his own.
0: Good. And then I talked to a couple of our uh, priests, and uh, some of them, it was their first time to Rome too, and, and they talked about, shared with me, uh, of course, off mic, a little bit about their experience.
1: Yeah, it's uh, for the first time when you go to Rome, it, it can be really awe-inspiring. You know, The first time you see St. Peter's Square, first time you go into the Basilica there to St. Peter's and uh, approach the tomb. Uh, which is why that basilica is built where it is because that 's where Peter is mm-hmm. to be able to see the successor of peter uh, Pope Francis today uh, at his or give his weekly audience on Wednesday and listen to his words. And uh, then to visit the other historic churches and basilicas in the city, John, and of course to enjoy some some good pasta, some right. good wine, and uh, some good pizza.
0: You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. You probably didn't have a one-on-one audience with the Pope.
1: Not on this visit. I will be returning to Rome in February, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about yeah. that. But uh, we'll be going back for our limited visit, and we'll have the opportunity to speak with the Holy Father at that time. Uh, I've had the, the great blessing of, of meeting him a couple of times already, so I look forward to seeing him again.
0: Uh, explain to our listeners, and I think we've touched on it last year when we were talking about the uh, uh, diaconate, transitional deaconate diac- ordination for uh, now Father Ralph Dalia. He's still over there as well studying. Why is Zach studying there? Well, what makes him, I'll say, different than the other guys that are here uh, on the east coast of Florida?
1: Well, sometimes men are asked to do their theological studies in Rome. They're invited to do so by the bishop. You know, they, they might have a propensity for language, you know, uh, because where I went to, to university in Rome, the classes were taught in Italian. So you really had to kind of be good with languages to understand what you were being taught. But what it is, is uh, sending men to Rome to study there, it's a connection between Rome and the Holy Father in our local churches, our local dioceses. And it's good for us to have that connection, that sense of unity with Peter and the successor of Peter. I had the the great blessing and privilege of of studying there for four years myself, and I know uh, it's benefited me in my priesthood. Now, you have a
0: biological brother who's also a priest. We mentioned before Father Stephen in Orlando. Did he study in Rome as well?
1: No, he uh, did his theological studies at uh, St. Vincent de Paul Seminary in Boynton Beach, which is uh, down in Palm Beach County. Okay, all
0: right. And that's where most of our men are. Most
1: of our men for our diocese and actually in the state of Florida, as well as some other southeastern states, uh, that's where they do their theology and their formation to become priests. And it's a fine uh, fine seminary.
0: We had a, a tremendous hurricane, devastating hurricane hit the Bahamas. Does the Bahamas have a seminary, or do, because they're so close to Florida, do we have men coming to our seminary?
1: Yeah. So, uh, no, they don't actually have their own seminary there in the Bahamas. So they would send their seminarians to other seminaries, uh, most likely in the United States, although they they could go to Rome as well. In fact, one of the bishops that I met in Rome was Bishop Brevard, who was the bishop of St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. And he had a man being ordained a deacon with Josh Bertrand on Thursday. But they also could send them to St. Vincent de Paul or to other seminaries in the United States.
0: I was talking with uh, one of our diocesan priests here at the convocation yesterday. He was opining as we were just talking about church things. He made the statement that the church today has lost some of that sense of transcendence, I think is what he called it, in some of the architecture. And I I said, well, when I go to like Washington, D.C. to the Basilica, and you see the side chapels and the big ornate cathedrals, that brings you back home, and Rome certainly has that.
1: It has an abundance of that, John, and you're right. I mean, there's uh, something about walking into a, uh, a more traditional-style church, maybe a little bit dark, you know, and maybe the smell of incense in the air and the stained-glass windows, the architecture. All of that helps to draw your mind, your heart, and your soul up to God and to, to have that feeling of that transcendence of going beyond this world and touching uh, God, you know, and, and being in his presence. So that that maybe is something that we, we do occasionally lose with uh, a more contemporary architecture of some of our churches here in the States. But also, I mean, always remember in a Catholic church, the Lord is there. That's right. He's in the tabernacle. He's present in the Blessed Sacrament. So uh, regardless of the building, if the Eucharist is there, the Lord's presence is there. Amen to that. As we touched
0: on a moment ago, Every diocese has to make a – I'll call it a pilgrimage, a report – to Rome every, what is it, seven years, five years? Every
1: five years, right? Under canon law, it's what's called a quinquennial or five-year report, which is sent to Rome to the different departments or what we call dicasteries there in Rome. And it's basically a comprehensive report on what's occurred in the diocese over the last five years. It gives a lot of statistics, but also a narrative about the life of the diocese, the trends, positive things, concerns that may be arising. And that's sent about six months in advance of myself as the bishop meeting with the Holy Father and meeting with some of the heads of those departments at the Vatican. Uh, So they have a chance to read the report, maybe to formulate some questions or observations. They might provide a summary to the Holy Father. The report's quite again large it's it's about well, ours was between two and three hundred pages, wow. so it's and it's not light reading, you know no, no. <laughs> so so I'm not sure the Holy Father reads each and every one sure. from around the world, but he he probably does receive a summary of it.
0: Most of all of our listeners won't know what the Kennedy directory is, which is a big book that's is a is a really thumbnail summary of all the all of the dioceses around the United States. Is it similar to something like that? Just statistical things?
1: It, it, it is. Of course, uh, the Kennedy Directory, which you referred to, uh, just gives basic information. It gives some of the basic statistics like the Catholic population, number of priests, number of religious, number of parishes. It lists the parishes and the different departments of the diocese, some of the key positions and people that are fulfilling those positions. But it, it doesn't give the narrative. It's just like facts, you know? Right. So, so like the section on St. Petersburg might be a few pages long, not 300 pages long. Sure. So,
0: so I was looking at it a few years back. I saw my name in it.
1: Really, John? I can't believe that
0: i reached the stature of the TV directory. <laughs> but I was, I was happy to see our radio station was listed in it.
1: And and John, I think uh, Spirit FM received a, a shout out or a mention in our quinquennial, which is going to go to oh, the Holy Father as okay, well. So.
0: <laughs> so, all right. so speaking of the diaconate, we had one transitional in Rome, but we've got a permanent diaconate ordination coming up middle of October.
1: Right. A diaconate is one of the orders that we receive or that God calls us to. And there's two different forms of that. One is the what we call the permanent diaconate because it's more of a permanent state of life. Those that's for either married or unmarried men who feel called to be deacons, but not to be priests. Of course, a married man in the Roman rite cannot be ordained a priest, so um, but he can be a deacon for the remainder of his life. And then we have what's called transitional deacons, which are men that are called to priesthood but are ordained first to the diaconate and spend a period of time, usually anywhere from six months to a year, uh, serving as deacons before they're ordained priests. As you mentioned, coming up, uh, we will be ordaining, I believe, eight new permanent deacons for our diocese. Each one of them is married. Uh, They have families. They have careers. But they have felt the Lord's call to serve in the ministry of the Word and and ministry of charity and service in our diocese and in their parishes.
0: I happened to have breakfast the other morning with Father. Father Zavi Castro and Father Anthony Eustick, and we were talking. And I said, "Now, you're, both of your dads are deacons." I said, "Was their diaconate instrumental in your becoming?" A priest, and they said, "In fact, no. We were already in seminary when they decided to go in and study for the diaconate." Okay,
1: so maybe it was the opposite, so it right? May have been yeah. the, I said, "Well, isn't that interesting?" Yeah, it sure is. But you know, it, I, I think the point you're getting at is that very often with vocations, uh, the home environment—you know, the the example of our parents—and relatives, you know, sets a very good foundation for discerning a vocation or even encouraging us to consider that God might be calling us to be a priest or to be a deacon.
0: And, you know, I think it also shows that even parents can learn from their children and be inspired by their kids as well.
1: Exactly, and can grow uh, in their faith. You know, the parents can grow in their faith and relationship with the Lord through the example of their children. A deacon in
0: the church is a little bit different than maybe a deacon in a Baptist church or something. What can a deacon, what is a deacon allowed, and what is their general role in a parish?
1: Sure. So a a deacon is primarily a minister of the Word. So they proclaim the gospel at Mass on Sunday and during the week. Uh, They can be given the faculty or the permission to preach, so they can give a homily at at Mass, uh, again, on Sunday or during the week. They assist at the altar, so when the priest is celebrating Mass, the deacon will assist with the preparation of the gifts, with the bread and the wine, and also with other parts of the Mass, of the celebration. But that's a a very public expression of what they do, but they're also ordained to charity. So they do charitable works, they are called to serve the poor, to visit those in prison, uh, to serve in different catechetical or teaching ministries within our parishes. So they do a wide variety of things, some which are seen and some which are a little more behind the scenes. Deacons are ordained for the diocese, they're not ordained for a specific parish. So um you know the eight men that will be ordained to the permanent diaconate here in our diocese will each be given an assignment by me, by the bishop. Okay. Many of them will be returning to service in their parish, but At some point, they could be asked to go to a different parish if there's a need there. Maybe you have a parish that doesn't have any permanent deacons, but yet has the need for them. We could assign somebody there to assist the priest with his pastoral responsibilities.
0: If someone's interested in maybe pursuing or finding out more about becoming a deacon, they'd go to our our Website, we do have a diaconate office.
1: We do at the Pastoral Center. Uh, Deacon John Alvarez is the head of that office at, at our diocese, and you could find his contact information through our website, dosp.org.
0: And, we, matter of fact, speaking of websites, we just redesigned it.
1: <laughs> we did. sure did. I,
0: Teresa Peterson and Maria Murds did a great job.
1: Yeah, I invite our listeners to check it out. It's uh, I think it, it came out great. It's beautiful. It's very dynamic. It's inviting, and it kind of just leads you into what you're looking for. It's like, what are you searching for? You know, it gets you right there. So, again, that's uh, www.dosp.org. So please check it out.
0: And we're recording here at Bethany Center today. We're in the midst of the convocation when this finally airs at the end of the week the convocation will be wrapped up so far what are your reflections on it
1: Well, for our listeners, uh, convocation is an annual opportunity for the priests of our diocese to gather together with each other, as well as with the bishop, and we meet for several days. We take some time, we step away uh, from our our day-to-day responsibilities as as parish priests, uh, as a bishop, to kind of get away for time for prayer, for fraternity, and for learning. Those are kind of—to me, those seem to be the three key elements of what a, a convocation is about. So we pray together. We pray, you know, morning prayer together, evening prayer. We have mass together, which is kind of unique for the priests of our diocese to all be together to celebrate the Eucharist with the bishop. It only happens a few times you know, throughout the year. And then we usually bring in a, um, a speaker or several speakers to give a presentation on a relevant topic that will be useful in our ministry.
0: And this year they come from Dynamic Catholics
1: yeah from an organization called Dynamic Catholics, some of our listeners may be familiar with the the founder of that Matthew Kelly, uh, who is a uh, very very well known evangelist and somebody that really has worked hard for for decades now to to try to spread the faith and to bring people back to the practice of the faith and uh, so the topic that we're we 're talking about this year is courageously spreading the gospel which goes very well with courageously living the gospel, which is our diocesan vision. So courageously sharing or spreading the gospel uh, is what we're talking about this year. And specifically, how do we as priests equip the faithful of our parishes, the people, to be what we call missionary disciples, to go forth, uh, to proclaim the good news through their lives and through their words, and, and, and invite others to, to follow the Lord and to, to have a close and personal relationship with him. So that's what we're focusing on this week.
0: Some of our listeners may recognize Dr. Alan Hunt, who has been a guest on Spirit FM, was the other morning when we had our live broadcast from here in Scotlandry, both from Dynamic Catholic. I want to talk when, with uh, Mr. Hunt. He was talking about maybe the four habits of a successful Catholic, prayer, study, generosity, and faith sharing. And really, it's not up to the pastor, the priest, and the in the parish, to go out and evangelize. It's our role as people in the pews to faith share and form those little communities within our parishes. Because when two or three are gathered, there I'll be also.
1: Yeah, th- that's exactly right. And and but I think it is our responsibility as as priests to equip our people to do that and to inspire them to do that to make it to help them to appreciate that this is part of our baptismal call and that it is through our baptism that we're empowered to go forth and to spread the good news and to be those disciples, you know, following the Lord, but inviting others to do the same as well. You know, some of the insights that Dynamic Catholic has shared with us this week is that in a parish, in your typical parish here in our diocese, uh, on any given Sunday, you know, you have a church full of people, but statistics show that really only about 7% of those people that come to mass each week, are what you would say are your most engaged Catholics. You know, many people come to church and they they attend church each week and then they leave. But there's a, a group of parishioners who are your most engaged uh, Catholics, and they not only come to mass, but beyond that, they they study the faith. You know, they they engage in prayer groups. They tend to be very generous with their stewardship uh, or with their giving and they try to bring others to the faith, you know. So uh, this is what we're trying to do is to um, to lead more people into that group, you know, to be those engaged Catholics, you know, not just coming to Mass, but living our faith each and every day.
0: I think you saw some of that at the Women's Conference, at the Spirit of Women's Conference right before you went to Rome, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up. Well, it was your first time coming. What did you think?
1: I was very inspired. Um, I had a i We began the day by celebrating the Eucharist, by celebrating Mass at eight a.m. on a Saturday morning, which I wasn't sure how many people were going to be there. You know, it was kind of early, and it was out at the fairgrounds. It was a full house, John. I think there was about fifteen hundred people there, mm-hmm. fifteen hundred women. Boy, they were fired up. I mean, for that time of the morning, I think the, the coffee must have been flowing That's early right. that day. But, right. but uh, I was able to stay for Mass and, and then just a little bit afterward. But uh, I hear it was a great conference.
0: And they loved seeing you and hearing hearing uh, your words at the homily and, and seeing that you're doing better getting around. I mean, that was really inspiring.
1: Yeah, it's good to be getting back to ministry little by little. Still a little bit in that healing process, so I don't want to overdo it, no. but uh, little by little getting back to my ministry, which I, I love. On
0: Tuesday night at the convocation, uh, the diocese gave a special award. Uh, the It was the priest that give an award every year to, I don't know, is it the most outstanding well Priest, it's or?
1: yeah, it's called the Father Luis de Cancer Award. Father de Cancer is considered to be the proto martyr here in Florida. He is a missionary, a religious who came to this country to spread the gospel and ultimately was killed on the shores of Tampa Bay in witness to the faith. And so uh, we name this award after him. And what we do is recognize a priest that has been exemplary in their priestly ministry and has served as a, a good role model and example to other priests in our diocese.
0: And this year's award went to, drumroll? To
1: <laughs> Father Jacob Montalione, a retired priest of our diocese. And we presented him with the award. And Father Jacob has you know faithfully served our diocese in a variety of parishes and assignments over the years. Uh, he's been a mentor to to a number of priests in our diocese, and responsible for promoting vocations to the priesthood. A number of our younger priests actually got up and gave some witness and testimony to how his life has touched their lives and led them to to the priesthood. So, and for those who know Father Jacob, he's quite a character. He oh, always yeah. has uh, some funny things to say and uh, very quotable. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, he's uh, you know when they say a priest retires, you're not really retired. Because he's still working over Christ the King right next to Spirit FM.
1: Christ the King, and uh, this morning I was having breakfast with a couple of our other quote-unquote retired priests right. here at our diocese, and no, they're still very active. They may not have the day-to-day responsibilities of being responsible for a parish, but they're, they're certainly engaged in the life of the church. It's, I guess it's kind
0: of like being a grandparent. You don't have the kids all the time. You just see them a little bit of a time. You love them, and then you go off.
1: Hopefully, uh, though, John, sometimes grandparents get the kids all worked up and then leave. <laughs> Mother, hopefully, Mother that's <laughs> hopefully that's not the case with our retired priests, but but they are a a great blessing and a great witness here in our diocese.
0: Well, Bishop, as we uh, wrap up our program today, would you lead us in a prayer for continued inspiration and to go out and courageously live the gospel?
1: So, God, our Father, we seek an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We ask you to guide us in our words, our thoughts, and our actions. We pray that you may give us the courage to live your word, uh, to live the gospel, to spread the gospel, the good news each day in our lives. And we ask all of these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you always. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.